HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. And guess what? We're back at Heritage Radio Network's studio in the backyard of Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This is our 307th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a dynamic restaurateur who has a handful of beloved restaurants in New York City, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to focus on your regulars. That is your local crowd, your people. Now, yes, of course, I'm talking about restaurant regulars, but really this can apply to any line of work as regulars are who sustains any business in the long haul. They should never be taken for granted, but treated with respect and dignity as they are essential to success. So let's remember there's nothing regular about being a regular and to make those who are feel special. That's my tip today. Now I'm thrilled to have my guest joining me here in the studio. It is Vicki Freeman. She is a partner with the Bowery Group, which is comprised of several market-driven restaurants in New York City, including Vic's, Cookshop, Rosie's, Shuka, and her latest, Shuket, which she runs with a few partners, including her husband and chef, Mark Meyer. Each restaurant showcases the season's bounty through vibrant, ingredient-driven cuisine with an emphasis on local and sustainable sourcing, and she definitely has regulars. So hi, Vicki. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me, especially in this very cool space. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled to be back uh, and here with you live. And I've, I'm such a fan of yours and all of your restaurants. And there's so much to talk about. <laughs> so we'll see how much we can cover in 45 minutes. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so I always like to start with my guests with their background, how they got into the industry. So you want to take us back a little bit? Yes, I'll take you way back. So it really started with my very first job when I was 15 years old 
in Encino, California at Bob's Big Boy. And oh. yep. And I got a waitressing job there. And I don't know, something about it. I had to wear literally a plastic sort of dress, nurse's shoes, a hairpiece. Like the whole thing was crazy. But I don't know. I just immediately loved it. And I love that the more I worked, the more I made. And I was in control. And I loved dealing with people. And I just, it kind of got me hooked at Bob's Big Boy. Oh, wow. So at that time, were you, was that a job just sort of to, to make some money, bring in some income? Yeah, I was in high school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you didn't, when did you get the, I think this is going to be my career sort of bug? So it took me a very long time because I really worked in restaurants the whole time to pay for the many colleges I went to. I went to nine. Well, that is, uh, I don't know, you might and probably are definitely my first guest that's been denied. Maybe, I don't know, I haven't, uh, it hasn't come up in every conversation, but. No, it's really actually hysterical because I was always trying to find my thing. I mean, I can't even tell you how many different things I did. I mean, I went to NYU film school. I went to the Academy of Art College in San Francisco for photography. I went to Columbia for art history. I went to so many different things always trying and then I would work someplace and go "Mm, I worked in a gallery for one week and I was like okay this is so not for me I mean it was just so quiet and you didn't you know you just stood around to be quiet it's not my thing but I was always working in restaurants as a way to do something else because I don't know especially maybe more back then but you didn't restaurants was not a career you know it was always a means to an end but truthfully I loved all my time in a restaurant more than the other things I was doing. Yeah. I mean, I can, I didn't go to that as many schools. I just, I went to one, I went to University of Michigan, but after college, I moved to Chicago and I dabbled and I was drawn to restaurants and I was, and I went to cooking school in Chicago thinking I want to be a chef. And then I, your, your story just reminded me a little of my past. And in my twenties, I moved around a lot. I was between jobs, all kind of related to culinary, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I eventually fell into PR. But it's interesting because, um, yeah, like kind of trying to figure out what what our careers are, what for the long term. So I use my story a lot to help some of the people that work for us because <laughs> I'm like, you don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And right. go ahead try and stuff. try stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and see. I will say the real beginning probably was when I was 19 and I worked for Ralph Lauren and worked we did I did all of his sort of buying weeks and they would have buyers come in and sit in an office and you would order out lunch for them and so they didn't ever have to leave so they could keep buying basically and I after about I don't know maybe a month of doing it I don't know where I got I've never had this much chutzpah I'll call it since then but I went to Ralph Lauren himself because it was a smaller company back then and I said this is sort of crazy I said why don't you let me cook I don't know really to this this day, I don't know what I was thinking. I said, because we're always, things were coming wrong and we'd have to send them back. And it just was, it just seemed like the quality wasn't good and the whole thing wasn't good. And he said, okay, you have a week. And so I had a partner, a partner then just in this waitressing gig. It was, you know, and I said, let's give this a try. And we did it. And I ended up working for them for 11 years for all of their buyer week. But at the same time, it was still this weird thing where it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And I was really doing it for the money. And I was still working in restaurants the whole time and still going to school. But that is incredible. 
<laughs> it's it's kind of a miracle, really. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So then, when I know, uh, when did you decide to open your own place? Uh, I believe it was Vix V I X Vix Cafe. Yes, correct. So I was. It was the craziest time of my life. It was the restaurant I had been working at closed. The boyfriend I had been dating for ten years. We broke up, and I really had nothing. And I thought to myself, all right, your life is kind of a mess. You don't know what you're doing. I was 30, and I thought, you don't know what you're doing. You have no direction. Like, I tried all these things. Nothing was sticking. And I actually went for a few months to Africa, came back, and just said, all right, world, I'm open to whatever. And I mean, I'm not kidding. That day, a friend of mine called me, and he had this crazy weird semi-underground space on Broom Street. And he said, do you want it? It's a coffee bar now. He goes, do you want to just open a coffee bar with me? And I was like, okay, I don't know anything about coffee bars, but I've worked in restaurants for years now. I said, let's do it. And somewhere it turned into a restaurant. He said, let's just turn it into a restaurant. You've worked in restaurants, let's turn it. And it was a place called Vicks on Broom. And that was really the start. Yeah. So, but, and just going back to Ralph's for a little bit, did you... Did, were you just a self-taught cook? Did, yes. Okay. Yes. And I mean, it helped because it was lunches. You know what I mean? So it was salad. Still, still making making food for people. <laughs> no, and it actually got crazy because yeah. then they moved to a big location on 650 Madison yeah. Avenue and built me a whole kitchen. And we started doing hot food. And it was just all self-taught. Amazing. I didn't realize you had that much experience in the kitchen. So, so you opened this cafe restaurant and and how long and how was that experience and how long did it, it go for for vix yeah for vix so uh to even where to go with vix so it opened up for some reason just like with a bang and i think that for someone who really was unknown and everything but it was such a quirky space and i think people thought it was cool because it was one of the first spaces that had mismatched furniture from north carolina and mismatched silverware you know it's one of the sort of thing and it also had a great chef being my husband, Mark Meyer, who I always say I hired a chef. So, I mean, I hired a chef, I hired a husband. So that's one way, <laughs> that's sort of one way of doing it. But it only, it's, it was amazing, really. It was so busy, it was so crazy, but really I didn't really know what I was doing well enough. So even though it was so busy, it wasn't making a ton of money. And it's a very long, complicated story on how it ended, but it ended after one year. And I then immediately went into pretty much of a dark depression and thought, that's the end of my restaurant career because no one's, who's going to hire someone, I mean, hire or fund someone who only had a restaurant for one year and it, and it failed and closed. So that was the end of VIX. Wow. Um, so, and this is the, the early 90s? Or, yeah, okay. 93. Okay. So then... Uh, you now have a very successful restaurant group. So you were able to pull out of that. What led to the Bowery Group? Is that way after, or what was your next move? Well, the next move, which I really tell everybody, is my next move is I went and worked for a big corporation, like a restaurant corporation, because what I needed to learn, I felt that I could understand the aesthetics and food and all that, which I think a lot of people who open restaurants feel they have, mm -hmm. but I didn't have the background. I didn't have the business part of it. I didn't have those kind of things. 
So I went to go work for Arc Restaurants. Do you okay. know Arc Restaurants? Yeah, sure. With Michael Weinstein. And they taught me so much. Yeah, and big corporate restaurant. Group. Big corporate restaurant. And actually, Jonathan Waxman hired me. Ah, and, so cool. Yep. And I told him, I'll give you four months because we were opening this bakery cafe on the Upper West Side and I was going to run it. And I said, I have no intention of staying there. I'll give you four months. I stayed for four years. Oh, and, okay. Yep. <laughs> and I just, I mean, part of it was I told them when I started, I want to open my own restaurant. I was going to look for a space. I couldn't find a space, you know, but I learned so much there at that place and so much for him. And then I opened uh, Five Points, which was, yeah. after all that, the first restaurant that I opened. And what year was that? 98. Okay. I moved to New York in 98 because I remember Five Points and, and going and, and it being very special and cool and, and um, awesome. So, so, so you got to that point. I mean, what... Were you just ready at that time to kind of go on your own? I think I was ready. I think I felt that I had learned a lot and I was in a much better position. You know, I take, I've always taken very seriously the money part of the business in terms of raising money and investors. And I didn't want to do anything if I thought I could lose someone's money. You know, it was a big, it was a big thing for me, you know, and I wanted to make sure that I was, there's no guarantees, but I wanted to make sure at least that I was in a better position in that. Right. So, I mean, it sounds, oh, I'm thinking some, some, I'm like getting new tips in my head as you're speaking. I was thinking one was like, kind of like you fake it till you make it. I don't know with some of these, like how you, how you kind of figured out how to do all this stuff, but you have the training now with restaurants, go with the art restaurant group and, and all this experience. So, so I think, so, so did you feel confident then with, with, with five points of, of running it? And then did, were you thinking you wanted to op- have more restaurants at the time? Or you were just like, that was the baby and, you know. Okay, well, first of all, anyone who knows me knows I've never felt confident completely. <laughs> so let's just take that out of the, the mix. I mean, and truthfully, when I opened five points, I even felt I was terrified. I felt less confident. I'm like, oh here I am again. And I really felt so much pressure because I'm like, this has to work. You know what I mean? Because I, ha- I can't yeah. have another failure. So I was very, I was just really wanted it to work. And I was pretty driven to do whatever I can. But honestly, it was, I was faking it till I make it even then, you know, I didn't, I didn't still didn't know enough. Yeah. I don't know if you ever know enough, but I don't know. But for some reason, you are able to or you have been able to pull through and be very successful in all of this. All, I mean, it's 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 a it's a what's a, a eclectic or very unusual and interesting career path. It's not it's not you know it is a straight line at all. But it's 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 amazing, and it's and I find also back like thinking with all the jobs I had, it helps me now today with what I do with working with re- with restaurants. So I think all of the, that experience that you had then applies to what you do today. Yes, I think so. I mean, when I opened Five Points, I had no, I didn't want to open anything else. I thought, we'll just do this. Yeah. You know, and I was fine with just doing that. And it was open for seven years before we did anything else. And it was, if I recall, it was like the go-to, I mean, for all occasions, but definitely the brunch spot that was like the hottest brunch spot for a long time. Yes. Or forever. Yes. (laughs) Very much so. So, so then, so, so take us a little through what, what's happened since then with your restaurants, because you've, you've opened, 
you've you've reinvented you've yeah, you have a lot, and you have currently five locations. I do. Okay. It's very shocking to me. But yes, <laughs> there are five. I mean, the biggest thing was I have an incredible group of partners. And I know people say that, but the first step, I mean, my husband's always been a partner since we opened Five Points. But the first step was at Five Points, a few years in, I had a really close friend named Chris Paraskafides who was a director of operations of another big company. And somehow I talked him into quitting his cushy job and coming to partner with me at Five Points. And I said, we'll we'll open another. I mean, I thought we were going to open one other one. I was like, let's do this and let's open something else together. But really what has allowed me to do more things and after every restaurant, everyone that knows this, I'm like, that's it. After one, I was thought I was done. After two, I thought I was done. If you ask me today, I tell you I'm going to have my restaurant tubes tied. Like, yeah. No, no. I'm waiting for number six. It's no. coming soon. <laughs> like, it's like some, I don't know. There's ne- We've never been the kind of people that go, every year we're going to open something or we're going to do this or we're yeah. going to do this. Never. It's just, you know, it's, I'll get into that in a minute. But sort of what happened, I think, was having a great group. And that really is it. You know, it's. Me, my husband, it's Chris. It's a woman named Anna Marie who came to work for us at Cookshop and worked for us for a long time. And we made her a partner and everything. And she's the director of operations. And Aisha Nurjaya is our, also another partner as a chef. And as a group, it's we all have our lane. We try to stay in them. We're not that good at it all the time. But it yeah. really works because there's just so much that I'm not good at. You know, and I'm learning what that is and let someone else do it. Well, that's, I mean, that's a skill for sure. Yeah. And, and also it doesn't, your part, there's different partnerships with different restaurants because Aisha, I know is with Shuka and Shuka. She's Shuka and Shuka, yes. Okay. So, but yeah, figuring, I mean, yeah, that's kind of a balancing act a little bit with, with everyone's role. Yes, it is. But, and really, you know, we've even gotten help with it. You know, we hired someone to help us figure out what are our lanes and how do we do it, you know, so that yeah. we, I mean, I say that we're still all involved with everything, you know, I mean, all of us, front, back, sideways, you know, it's, yeah. we are, but that we know what, we know a little bit better where, where we are. Yeah, well, that's smart. And I, I mean, I love Aisha. I love, I love, I love all your restaurants. There's, I mean, talk a little about your different concepts because you're not, you do a variety of cuisines, you yeah. know? So, and what what inspired, I mean, next you, well, Cook Shop was the first after Five Points? Right. Okay. So, Five Points, right, have been open for seven years and we did Cook Shop. I will say for the most part, I would say almost solely, every restaurant we've done has been based on a chef. Like, we are never the kind of people to go, we should have a Chinese concept because Chinese is hot right now, or we should do this. So it's always a bit more organic than that. It's usually based on a chef. Mm -hmm. And when we opened Cook Shop, it was, like I said, it was after seven years. And the impetus for Cook Shop really was Mark's passion for farm to table and local and sustainability and all these catchphrases now that were not as much of a catchphrase then. And so we needed a space big enough to butcher whole animals and to, you know, really do the kind of the way he wanted to do it. And that was the impetus for Cook Shop, you know. And then we had just an amazing chef named Joel Huff 
So that was, you know, that was really incredible. But I will tell you just a funny story. He had been bugging me and bugging me to come see this space, 10th Avenue and 20th Street, which was the middle of nowhere then. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and- I was like, absolutely not. I don't want to work that hard to make people come to this non-area and blah, 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 blah. And we'd been working on a smaller West Village location for a year that fell apart after a year. And he said, are you finally going to come look at this space? It'd been empty for three years, cook shop, the space. And I said, all right, all right, all right, I'll come see this space. We walked in the door and I just went, oh, yeah, this is it. And I didn't even get all the way through before we called the broker and said, we'll take it. So that's already how life is funny, too. When you know, you know. Right. And you, you must have known they were going to build the High Line there, right? Too. Nope. There was... <laughs> Bring all that traffic. No. I always say this. When people think we're smart to take that location, I was like, no, we were actually dumb to take that location and got lucky. Because yeah, there was yeah. no High Line in the works. They were tearing it down when we took the location. And there was no com- no residential past tenth Ave- west of 10th Avenue. And all those things... Right. It was like a perfect, like, perfect uh, windstorm of perfection after we opened Cook Shop. Yeah. And then, and then you, well, Five Points became Vicks. Right. So after 18 years of having Five Points, we were like, I don't know, I just was not feeling it anymore. But, it, and it wasn't like it was doing horribly. I just, I don't know. It was this thing. I just didn't love it. And. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't feeling it. And we're like, well, you know, I don't know. What are we going to do? I don't know. And then we met Hillary Sterling. Yeah. And Mark was like immediately in love. I mean, not yeah. hopefully not that kind of love. <laughs> but, uh, but it was, you know what I mean? And she was so talented. Like when I say it's a lot of it was chef driven. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay. Like we, it wasn't like, let's open an Italian restaurant in this Vix, you know, in this right. spot. So, and we felt that she deserved an entirely new restaurant. You know, not to, like, come on to yeah. Five Points. So we shut Five Points down and opened VIX. Yes, and very, very successful, wonderful. Hillary was with you for a long time. Yeah, six years. Yeah, and I recently, I did my solo dining experience a week or so ago on uh, Chisiamo, where she's now. Um, so, so yeah, chef-driven. Then you have Rosie's with doing Mexican fare. Right, because we had, and Rosie's really came about, Mark's another passion is everything Mexican. Like he just goes to Mexico probably three, four times a year. Loves it, loves it, had studied cooking there. But more it was that we had a sous chef at cook shop for years who was Mexican and a great Mexican chef. So we were like, let's let's do this with him. Yeah. You know, and let's and that's how Rosie's came about. Another awesome, amazing Neighborhood restaurant, big patio. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you have an eye for finding spaces, too. Well, I would say that. Oh, thanks so much. But, you know, Rosie's really was, Rosie's is my fun place. Like I always say, when Anna Marie and I are in bad mood, we're like, let's go work at Rosie's tonight. You know what I mean? Because it's a bit of a three-ring circus. And we're like, oh, my God, what is that waitress wearing? What is that? You know what I mean? Like, we just, it was just a funny, Yeah, it's just a, I love it. I really do. And it just has so much fun and energy. Yeah, and then and then you have Shuka and Shuquette, which right. is the newest. Right. So Shuka's actually a funny story. So Shuka was a place called Hundred Acres. I remember that. Right. And Aisha came. We came to work with us, and it's funny because we got Aisha and Hillary from Missy Robbins. 
And Missy's like, I mean, and Missy's like, oh, I have this great chef, Aisha. She's really an Italian chef, but she's, you know, she's amazing. So we met her. We instantly liked her. She came to work at 100 Acres. And after, she's better off at the timing on this. I want to say a year. Mm -hmm. She started throwing in these Middle Eastern dishes. And we were like, wait, what's going on here? (laughs) There's like magic happening here. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And then on New Year's Eve of that year, we decided to do a crazy night in Morocco where all we did was Middle Eastern and all she cooked was Middle Eastern. And it was was beyond. Mm -hmm. And I just said, this is ridiculous. Let's just, and our publicist at the time was like, shut it down and open a Middle Eastern restaurant with her. And again, it was like, shut this down, change it, do it, you know, and make a whole new restaurant. And we did. And we did shuka. And I always say the funniest thing about doing shuka is the first week, like crickets. And I was like, oh, God, everybody's mad because we closed 100 acres Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And after about seven days, it was insanely packed. And that was and shuka's just been amazing since then. Yeah, I'm so due to get back. I mean, I love Aisha's cooking. And I've been more recently to Shukat, your your newest one, Mm -hmm. which um, actually our worlds in in PR, I guess, wise crossed a little there because I used to work with uh, Jim Leahy and he had co or company in the space that you took over. Right. um, And and Jim's been a friend of mine for years and years. And he was like, I had read that he wanted to get out. of. He wanted to not do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So I called him up and I was like, so I hear you don't want to do co anymore. And he's like, yeah, I'm done. I want to focus on the bakeries. And I said, great. I want it. And that's how that happened. Amazing. But then there was a pandemic or still a pandemic that kind of, I mean, that delayed you. Yeah, we were supposed to open March 2020. And we had, you know, hired the staff and trained the staff and, you know, it was just incredible. And then I don't know, I think it was the week we were supposed to open was the shutdown. Yeah, well, it's, I mean... I th- I would say it's uh, it's probably better you didn't get open for a couple of days and and then have to much. shut down. So, but not to say it was not a much. good situation. No, we had already bought yeah. food and stuff, but it was still it was kind of better in a way than opening for yeah. a week or two weeks or. And when did, and you opened a couple months ago now? Three months ago. Okay. I mean, it was the whole situation is so crazy because really, for a long time, I just never thought we were going to ever be able to open it. Because I just was like, how are we going to afford to keep it closed for however long? And it was amazingly, it was built as a restaurant that was supposed to be tight and community. Mm -hmm. And you were supposed to be sitting near your neighbor and you were supposed to be really like you've been there. Like there's a lot of seating around the kitchen, but Mm -hmm. you're really close to the people that are cooking. You know, so the whole concept of Shuket was the worst COVID idea that ever happened. Because, and I was like, there is not enough plastic in the world unless we put everyone in hazmat suits, you know what I mean? To make it six feet apart and all this stuff. So we had to be in a very long waiting game, you know, till there was a vaccine. It wasn't just a vaccine. I wanted to wait till the vaccine was really there because I felt like there was no way to do six feet of separation at Shuket. Yeah, yeah. No, the space has amazing energy. And actually, the the long bar chef's counter uh, reminds me a bit of Missy's Missy, yep. which is Thai full circle. Well, we Missy. have the same architect. Oh, and she was there the night I was there, too. Oh, right. And the same architect. It's all, yeah, it's all, it all goes together. Um, so in this past, I mean, with the pandemic, what did you do with all of your restaurants? Were you, was it a different plan for 
I mean, some open, some takeout, some completely mm, not, shut. Well, <laughs> we shut we shut everything down until we were allowed to have yeah. outdoor dining. It just didn't feel that we could figure out the to go thing only. It just I don't know. I think part of it was it took me it took all of us a while to figure out how are we going to do this and how are we going to do it safely, you know, and how are we going to do it to make it work. And I just didn't feel that any of our restaurants were really going to work with a sort of only to go. And I was so impressed with all these people that figured all these things out. I was like, how did, you know, I always say this, I'm not going to mention who it was, but I did write like probably two weeks after, three weeks after we had the shutdown, I did a podcast with someone and I think I was absolutely terrible because I just was like, you know, how are you going to pivot? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just was so, you know what I mean? I was so, it took, I think it took us a bit longer to figure out what to do. I'm sure you were great. And it was the times. I mean, I mean, yeah, no one knew what to do. No, and but some, some some people were brilliant, I have to say. Some people, I don't, yeah. Some people somehow figured out or were feeding hospital workers yeah. and, and running their restaurant and like, yeah, natural at, at pandemics. Like, which, I'm yeah. so impressed. Like I really was like, you know, yeah. I told you when I'm never completely confident, that was one of those times. I was like, wow, look at what these people are doing. It's so amazing. Yeah. You know, so, but eventually we opened probably one week after, you know, one week at a time, mm-hmm. we opened all of them. And when we could do outdoor dining. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's when we opened everything. I remember seeing Cook Shop w- near when you reopened and pretty busy right off the bat with the outdoor dining. Not pretty. Busy right yeah. off the bat with the outdoor dining. You so. know, I will say this. I Two of the greatest restaurant days of my life were one was when I had five points and we opened the night after 9-11 because that neighborhood was nothingness. And we had to go to 14th Street and bring the food in, but the entire neighborhood came out to eat. And it was like, yeah, I just was like, uh, it was one of the most amazing nights because people were just like so happy to be there. The next night I would say was when we opened Cook Shop because that neighborhood just came mm-hmm. to support us in droves like I never expected. I mean, flowers and like, thank you for being here. and. You know, it was just so amazing. Yeah, it's heartwarming even yeah. to hear you say that. Okay, so before we take a break, let me ask you my question from my last guest on episode 306 I had on Colin Cowie. He's the CEO and founder of Colin Cowie Lifestyle, and he's an internationally renowned lifestyle and business expert, and he has a new book out called The Gold Standard. So what Colin would like to know is how do you come up with and make all of your menus completely authentic so there's no crossover from one restaurant to the next? How do you keep it fresh and how often do you change your menus? So this is, I give this all to the chefs. You know what I mean? This is really, they're amazing. And I think what keeps it fresh is that, I mean, more than anyone is Aisha. I've never seen anyone in my entire life be able to change a menu as often as she can and as amazingly as she can. But I think we leave it up to the chefs. It's also this because of how much we go to the green market and how much we use like sustainable fish. So things are coming and going all the time. Okay. So up to the chefs. There's your answer. I don't know if that helps Colin or not, but that's the that's it. Well, that's that's who you're sticking in your lane. There you go. There. <laughs> okay, so let's take a little break here, and we will come back. We'll play my speed round game, talk some industry news. I'm a solo dining experience in the final question, so stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. 
Are your menus ready for colder weather? Seasonal serves can drive hot profits. Sign up at diageobaracademy.com to join Experts Live or view past masterclasses on demand to learn how to create the ultimate seasonal cocktail menu with tips and techniques and how to stay on trend to make your bar more profitable. Also, learn how to create a menu that includes warming spice-infused drinks as well as low or no ABV winter cocktails and how to integrate mindful drink styles into your beverage programs. Whether you are a bartender, owner, or operator, or if you are completely new to the industry, Diageo Bar Academy has easy-to-access resources to help you learn new skills or stay in the loop with all the latest industry trends. So why wait? Visit diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Become a member and sign up for the newsletter today. It's completely free and you will be amazed at all they have to offer. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Vicki Freeman. She's a partner of the Bowery Group, which is comprised of several market-driven restaurants in New York City, including Vic's, Cookshop, Rosie's, Shuka, and Shuket. So, Vicki, it's time for my speed round game. What this is, is I get to name a couple, I'm going to name a couple things, and you get to pick your preference. You oh, ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. It's like chocolate or vanilla. Okay, I got example. it. Okay, here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Eat out at a restaurant. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? In the summer, alfresco. Oh, you're not going to do the winter alfresco too, which which I bared a couple times. <laughs> no, listen, I actually love alfresco all yeah. the time, I should say. And I yeah. did eat all year last year outside. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, Um Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large plates. (laughs) Communal table or chef's counter? Hmm. Maybe chef's counter. I'm thinking, do you guys have a communal table in any of your restaurants? No. Yeah. You have chef counter, though. Yeah. I mean, I've done the communal before, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if we... No, we don't have anything right now. Yeah. Well, there's number number six. There you go. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? I would like... I guess all-inclusive. I would like to be able to share the wealth with the kitchen big time. It's one of my really big causes right now. Like, I feel like... Yeah. I feel like this. there's still this inequity. And so... I don't know that I want to get rid of tipping either, which is not fair for your question, but I would like it to be spread out more. Yeah, it's 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 probably the, the trickiest one of, it of is. this game. Okay, a little more lighter one. How about uh, guacamole or hummus? Oh, geez, that's picking your <laughs> children, right? Uh, I know, I know. Maybe not so easy of a one. I guess answer. I'd say hummus. Okay. <laughs> you can have still have both. <laughs> Working brunch service or going out to brunch? Working it. Ooh, she likes to work it. Uh, yeah, I'm know, not a big yeah. brunch. Pr- I don't love yeah. to go out to brunch. Yeah. Maybe it's working it all these years. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Oh, cheese plate. 
Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. Manhattan. Because I live there and all my restaurants are there. Yeah. I've always said lately I could easily move to Brooklyn, which is why I was hesitating. I just don't want to do the commute in and out. Right. And you did you you did grow up initially in, in Manhattan, too? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Manhattan. Actually, we've, for years now, I've looked for restaurants based in Brooklyn, but never found the right thing. Right. You never know. Don't say number six. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I, um, yeah. Maybe that's seven. <laughs> okay. So for industry news this week, I just picked out an article on Eater Miami. My hometown of Miami has big news. So Michelin Guide is heading to Florida in 2022. Tire Guide inspectors will begin bestowing stars on restaurants in Miami, Tampa, and Orlando next year. This article was by Ali Fowler. So I don't know. It was uh, big news for Michelin, big news for Miami and and Orlando and Tampa to, to have Michelin there. I mean, this is the fifth destination in the in the U.S. for the Michelin Guide. They're currently in New York City, D.C., Chicago, and the state of California. Um, I don't know. Do you have any take on on Michelin or what that means? Or I mean, we've never gotten one you know i don't really i don't know the whole michelin thing is it's never been something that's guided me personally but i do think that whatever's going to bring business to the industry you know and i think that it's a little odd to me i was reading you know i read this article Mm -hmm. and i didn't you know i know that it's partially sponsored you know and that's a little confusing to me that i didn't really know yeah it said it's a partnership with visit florida the state's official tourism board. And it had said also in there that it had part partners before. Right. So, so yes. you know, but I mean, on the whole, I think whatever brings, listen, if it brings business and it brings respect and it brings joy to some of these restaurants, great. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, Miami as, as being from there and visiting, you know, regularly with my parents and over the years, I just haven't, um, I used to never have restaurants that were like on my list when I went down there. It was always just, let's get some stone crabs. Right. And then over the past years, I mean, now I can't even say five, ten, I don't know, a while, the dining scene has developed a lot. And I do have a list when I go down there. Um, so it's, it's, and it's been interesting to see that uh, a lot of New York City restaurants are, are making the move. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I thought it was interesting. This is the city or the, or the state. But they're only doing these three cities in the state, but that they chose to do. I mean, there was something I saw that they said, like, they're not going to do Fort Lauderdale. It's just Miami proper. So, but it's, yeah, I think awards and recognition and all that, it's all favorable to try to support restaurants. So I'm for it. Some for that, too. Yeah. Yeah, but I was thinking, too, with your restaurants are just, like, sometimes there's some restaurants or restaurateurs that are very much about the stars and the awards, whether it's the world's 50 best or it's just, it doesn't, I mean, is that, are awards something, you know, I don't want to say, are they important to you or are they, or is it just part of like you, you do, you do you or you do your restaurants right. and if accolades come, they come. I mean, I've really, this is truthfully, and I don't even mean the sound is whatever it's going to sound like. No, I've never really thought about it. It's nothing I've ever really wanted or we've gone for or any of those kind of things. And I don't know why, maybe it's having Aisha, maybe it's this year, maybe it's something, but there was a part of me that was like, it'd be cool to be nominated for a James Beard Award because we've never been 
in the industry in that way. Does that make sense? And yeah. I've never tried to. I'm not because I'm so whatever. It's just been, we're always so focused on what we're doing. Right. You know what I mean? And I, like I said, I hope Michelin's not listening to this, but like, I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like it's, They listen to all my shows. Like, I'm sure they do. But it's like, <laughs> and good for you, Michelin. But you know what I mean? It's not something I've ever strived for or wanted for. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You know what I mean? And right. it's not, it's definitely not on my top number one. And we never do anything and think maybe this will get this or this will get yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I think that for me, that's like a great attitude to have and what, you know, you, you work hard and, and you, awards come or right. like, you know, and. It is what it is, so. And I mean this from every part of me. So I'm sorry. The biggest award to me is people coming in, you know? Exactly, yes. And that to me is, there's just nothing better than that. And never, yeah. barely ever night goes by that I don't sit there and go, just the joy of watching all these people eating and hopefully having a good time. Well, that that makes the, you finding this career path and where you ended up. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're in the right spot. So let's see. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. So we'll have to stay tuned for that coming out in 2022. Uh, so my solo dining experience this week, it's at Hudson Smokehouse. So here's the rundown. The location, 37 Bruckner Boulevard, Bronx, New York City. The concept, it's a barbecue smokehouse, and it's currently the only barbecue smokehouse in the Bronx. The owners are Steve Zara, Anna McPartlin, and Pitmaster Kenneth McPartlin. Why'd I go? Well, I heard great things about this barbecue place, and I had barbecue in quite a bit, so I figured I'd check it out. My experience. So on a recent Sunday, I actually arrived there by city bike, which I'll tell you more about in a minute. Um, I was hungry and I just walked straight up to the counter. I really, I kind of had an idea what I wanted, but I didn't really look at the menu. It was on the chalkboard, but I just started talking to um, the the lovely uh, worker who was taking my order and I kind of figured out what to get. And I took a seat and got some water and they sat down and, and they brought my food out to me and the place wasn't super busy, but it had a really nice energy to it. The bar was full and people were, you know, it was a good, 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 I say energy, like uh, people were having a good time. So what did I get? So I got the brisket sandwich. I got rib tips, because I also want to try some ribs. Uh, mac and cheese and creamy coleslaw. And I wanted to get cornbread, but they were out of it. Uh, my take, so the brisket was really tasty. It was a big sandwich. And the rib tips also were very tasty. I had them on the table. They had three different types of sauces. They had the barbecue sauce, a sweet barbecue sauce, and a hot sauce. And so I kind of like used them all and had leftovers. I did not finish everything. But um the sides were really good too. Actually, the creamy coleslaw was like, I think the best thing I had. Like, I really loved it. It was like divine coleslaw. Um, and the mac and cheese. I mean, how can you go wrong? It was all. It was all really good. It was a good meal. Uh, the ambiance. So, it's a casual spot. It's got wood paneling and wood tables. Uh, the back they set up where you get the food and a chalkboard. A- above with the menu and it has big windows it's on a corner location so it could have natural light coming in i was there after dark so that didn't happen but um it was nice uh perfect for getting your barbecue fix with friends interesting tidbit so hudson smokehouse opened its doors the first week of march 2020 so they had to shut down then uh during the pandemic but the two weeks later and they were somehow able to get through the pandemic uh with takeout and delivery and 
they donated or they brought 300 meals a day to World Central Kitchen. I mean, I was reading reading the backstory of these guys and it was pretty incredible. So I give them a lot of credit for, for getting through that. Not good timing with that opening. Um, and they've been on Thrillist's uh, best barbecue list, which is awesome. So personal fun fact. So why was it a, why was I in the Bronx? Well, I took the train up. I went to the New York Botanical Garden. They had a special Kusama installation going on with an infinity mirrored room that I was able to do. And then I looked at the map afterward and I saw where Hudson Smokehouse was and I was like, oh, I can bike there. So I did. <laughs> so I biked through the Bronx and it was quite an adventure, but I was very, it was very cool to like see a totally different neighborhood that I wasn't familiar with. Um, so that's why I showed up. I was hungry and then I did take the train the rest of the way home. Uh, the cost of, the, of this meal was $37 and 50 cents, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. And their website is Hudson Smokehouse bx.com and the same instagram handle there you go i went biking in the bronx for barbecue (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) i definitely like my adventures so there you go and it was it was good i didn't realize it was the first barbecue smokehouse in the bronx either so i'm just fascinated you took a city bike also yes i've become a I was a city biker before the pandemic, but during the pandemic, it became my favorite mode of transportation besides walking. Well, it's mine too. Oh, cool. Yes, I take a city bike every day. Well, yeah, I was, I mean, I imagine to move around between your restaurants. It's, yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. We can city bike together. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So it's time for the final question. My next guest is Chris Cardone. He is a bartender with. 21 years of experience. He's currently working at iSODI in New York City, and he's the 2017 national champion of Diageo World Class, the world's largest global mixology competition, and he has been a three-time national finalist in that as well. So, Vicki, what would you like to ask Chris? Okay, let me just start that that is one of my favorite restaurants. Ah, it's a great I one. I live one block away and I guess my first question was, next week is my anniversary. We want to go there for our anniversary. And how can I get in? So that would be my first. But my other question really is, I'm so impressed with the level of knowledge of everyone that works there, with every spirit, with every, you know, whenever we usually sit at the bar, at the counter, and they know everything. And how do you get your entire staff to be that educated? That would be my question. Uh, those, that's great. And what timing. I love how this, 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 um, Guest to guest, uh, I had no idea that that's where you would like to go for, for dinner next week. So just talk to my husband about it today. <laughs> amazing, amazing. I'm so due to get back there too. Um, it's, a, it's a great restaurant. And it you is. live in a great neighborhood. <laughs> so that's the show. Um, thank you so much for joining me. I, I loved hearing about your background and, and everything. I know there's, I know we skipped over a lot of details too, because it's, uh, but I think we covered quite a bit. We covered a lot. Yeah. And, and I am such a fan of you and your, your restaurants and your chefs. And, and I would just wish you much continued success and I'll, I'll see you there soon. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I, I'm really honored. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. So my guest today has been Vicki Freeman. She's the partner of the Bowery Group, which is comprised of several market-driven restaurants in New York City. You should check them out. They're Vicks, Cookshop, Rosie's, Shuka, and their latest is Shuket. And I have all of your websites here. I've got Cookshop, 
ny.com, shukatnyc.com, shukanewyork.com, vixnewyork.com, rosiesnyc.com. And people, you can follow Vicky at Vicky underscore Freeman. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Liam, and thanks again to Vicki. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with a new show. Hope you'll tune in then, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.